0: Hello everybody! Wow, that was great. It is Holy Spirit. So today we will be talking about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit relates to a very important topic in our life and that is the topic of suffering. Yay! All right, so now this will be an encouraging one for you because a lot of us go through things, you know, maybe uh, maybe we don't always get to talk about it. Maybe sometimes at church it's like, okay, let's, let's put on our church base and everything is okay. But, you know, I just want to really be honest and open up this topic of, you know, sometimes life is hard. It's, it's a reality. And, you know, dang, Adam and Eve, they messed everything up, right? No, I, okay, I would have done the same thing. But, you know, ever since, ever since our world has fallen, we've been in this kind of state where things aren't going how they should have gone they 're bad now, and you know horrible things happen and Not only do we commit sins, and other people commit sins against us that that hurt, but also this world itself is in decay, right? The world itself is broken, like natural disasters and and you know sicknesses, lifelong diseases and so we 're going to open this up and see what does God have to say about this kind of stuff? Is there any solution to our suffering, or is it just is it just always going to be bad or? What are we supposed to do and a couple of different things I know go on in our lives um, you know maybe you've been struggling because you've got a job that you work at that you really really dislike and you know God cursed Adam and he said you will eat through painful toil and that's just what your job feels like it's like every day is just really hard and um, you know maybe you are a sick person maybe you, you've been chronically sick or maybe you're watching online you've been chronically sick and You just really struggle with sickness, or maybe it's a mental health thing. You know, not every day. Maybe it is every day. Maybe once a week, once a month. It just feels like life is just not not worth it anymore. Um, Anxiety is also a big issue. Maybe have anxiety. Or maybe, you know, the big one, like someone died in your family. Maybe that was really hard. Or um, maybe someone passed away a long time ago, and you've never really gotten over it. Uh, someone whose life was knit with yours who was just connected to you and now they're just gone. And when we go through this kind of stuff, it's like, what are we supposed to do about that? And that's not even to mention the sufferings of Christ, right, that we have to go through as Christians where it's, you know, it's not just the normal stuff that the, the, everybody in the world goes through, but we have to face, you know, hard things as Christians. Sometimes Christians, you know, at the worst of it are, are killed or their families are killed or tortured or put in jail. You know, sometimes Christians lose their jobs. Sometimes Christians are looked at sideways and like, wait, you really believe that? Or we're mocked for, you know, standing for what Jesus stands for? Or sometimes it's just the constant battle of my own flesh. I just can't get it together, you know? I'm always just angry or I'm always just, you know, tempted with everything and I just can't get over it. So what does God have to say about this kind of stuff? Does he have a solution or are we just... You know, are we just kind of stuck? Well, that, of course, is where the Holy Spirit is going to come in. And today, what the Holy Spirit does in our passage is he basically informs us of something, or he kind of does something slash informs us of something, and then we draw a conclusion from that that helps us get through our sufferings. He basically gives us information and brings about something that helps to sustain us through our suffering. And we're going to check out Romans chapter 8, starting at verses 14 through 17. So the Holy Spirit does something, informs us to something, and that helps us get through our suffering. And let's check out how Paul kind of contrasts what happens in the world. So starting in verse 15, actually. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. So go ahead and leave that up. And like I said, you know, Paul is kind of contrasting what we get from the world with what we get from the spirit. So what we get from the world, what we had from the world was this slavery, this slavery that led us into fear. These are the kind of bad things I was talking about just a minute ago. You know, Oh my gosh, I I used to think this way. Oh my gosh, something horrible in my life happened. Maybe something horrible will happen again. It's that fear that the world gives us, but what the Holy Spirit does is he contrasts what the world gives us with what God wants to give us, the spirit we receive brought about our adoption. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. What the spirit does for us, it all relates to how we relate to God as our father. The spirit makes us children of God, uh, children of God, and he informs us that we are children of God. He gives us confidence that we are children of God. And like I said, it's kind of in two steps. The spirit does something, and then that gives us uh, that gives us the ability to endure through our suffering. The Spirit says, like Paul says at the end, if we are children, then we are heirs. That is our confidence. If I am a child of God, then that means that I'm going to be an heir. Like that's like getting an inheritance. I'm going to get the inheritance of God, and it's it's as a co-heir with Christ. So, you are not just an heir of God, but you get the same types of things that God got, and that's what's supposed to help us sustain through our suffering. We know what did Christ get? Well, he faced suffering in this world too, just like we do. He was even tortured and, and killed because of his belief and faith in God, but what did he get? He got resurrection. He got new life. God fixed everything that was wrong with him. God fixed his broken heart that he had to face on the cross. And then he got the entire world. It says that Christ sits as king over the whole world, that everything in heaven and earth has been made subject to him. So that is the kind of thing that we are going to get to. God is going to redeem our broken bodies. He's going to heal our broken hearts. He's going to raise us up with Christ, and then we will inherit the entire world. And looking forward to this is what helps us sustain through our sufferings. When we face something hard in this life, we have to say to ourselves, you know what, this is hard right now, but if I am a child of God, then God will rescue me, my Father will rescue me from this suffering. If I am a child of God, then my Father will someday rescue me from this suffering. Now, there's two kind of, uh, like, That's the main point, and there's two other things I want to talk about in this passage. So, ladies, you'll see there it says it brings about our adoption to sonship, all right? But that does not exclude you. Um, Rather, Paul is making a theological point by saying that we're brought into our adoption to sonship because in this culture, only the male sons received an inheritance. And so he's trying to make the point like, yes, all of the children of God, both the males and the females, you are brought into this inheritance um, you are brought into this inheritance. You are going to inherit everything. So it's not trying to be an exclusive thing. It's an inclusive thing, including both the, the daughters and sons of God into the, um, into the family of God who gets the inheritance. And if that still doesn't work for you, then just you wait, because someday soon we'll be preaching on a passage that says that we're the bride of Christ. And so all the guys will have to be the bride of Christ, you know? So right now you'll be the sons of Christ, and you know later we'll be the brides of Christ, all right? But, um, yeah, so it's just an inheritance thing. And then the second thing I want to note is that it says that we, basically the Spirit is supposed to give us confidence that we are God's children. And that is the thing that we base our hope on. And so there's, like, two different ways that the Spirit um, helps us to, Basically, be confident that we are God's children. So this is for every Christian. Um, if you're a Christian, then you are able to have this, these two things that make you confident. So the first one is in the second half of verse 15, where it says, by him we cry, Abba, Father. So basically, it's by the Holy Spirit that we're able to even cry to God as our Father. Before we were Christians, or maybe you've been a Christian your whole life, but people in the world or before you were a Christian, you did not have a sense that you were God's child because the Holy Spirit wasn't in you and you weren't able to have that sense. But now that we are Christians, the Spirit empowers us to cry to our Abba Father. And the second thing that God does is the Spirit himself testifies along with our spirits who are also doing it that we're God's children, and this gives us um, the, a, a similar type of confidence in our in our childhood, our, our, our being of God's child. So um, some people don't think that the Spirit's testimony with our spirit is something that we can discern. It's not something that we hear. It's more of a, a the thing the Spirit does Godward. I rather think that it is something we can discern because it seems like Paul's point in this passage is to say, you know, like, here are ways you can tell that you're God's child, you know, the Spirit brought you about. The Spirit, um, you know, is the one who helps you cry. And the Spirit testifies with our spirit. So I think it is something we can discern. And the methods that the Spirit might use to testify could vary. You know, for one person, it might literally be like, hello, I'm the Holy Spirit. You know, you are God's child. For another person, it might be like a feeling. And for another, it might just be, you know, a confidence throughout life that, that you're God's child, a confidence that the Spirit gives you. Um, but, but no matter what it does, the end result should be the same. The end result should be an inward confidence that you are God's child. That if anyone asked you, like, hey, you know, is God your father? You would be able to say, yes, I know him. I know that God is my father. I know that I know that I'm God's child. And that might be different from someone who's not a Christian. Like, I was asking this lady the other day, like, do you know God? And she was like, I know about God, but I don't know if I know him. And that's kind of the difference, The Spirit gives us this confidence where we know God, we really, really know Him. And again, the whole point of this information that we are God's children is because it's supposed to sustain us through the hard times. We're supposed to know, yes, I am God's child, and if I am God's child, then God will rescue me from my suffering. And Paul goes into this more in the next section, so let's check that out, and then I got a really, really cool example for you, so... We're going to start in verse 18, and then we're going to skip to 23. So, again, look for how Paul contrasts our suffering with what the Spirit does. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Now to verse 23. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all because who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. So Paul says, yes, our current sufferings, they are sufferings. But compared to the glory that we will receive, this is nothing. And then he goes on to explain, this is why we are, yes, we are groaning in we are groaning inwardly, but we are waiting eagerly for our adoption of sonship because we know all this suffering, this is all going to be wiped away when God comes and rescues us. If we are God's children, then we know that our Father will save us from this suffering. And that's what he is talking about at the end, too, the hope. He's basically saying, that's a little bit confusing, but he's basically saying, if we already had what, we were, what we're going to have, well, it wouldn't really be hope because you'd already have it. It's like the, this sermon, you know, like, oh, I hope I write my sermon. Like, it's already written, you know, or is it? No, just kidding. It's already written, right? It's like, oh, I hope I, I, hope I, I hope I have my Bible. I already have it. But what Paul's saying is, no, 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 we don't have it yet, but that's why we're still hoping for it. That's why we're still eagerly awaiting our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies, because someday soon it's going to come, and, the con- and that hope is the contrast To our current sufferings. Now, Paul does something interesting in this passage, and it's what theologians refer to as the already but not yet of salvation. Because earlier in the passage, he said, the Spirit brought about, past tense, your adoption to sonship. But in this section, he says, we eagerly await our adoption to sonship. So, which one is it? Well, like I said, it's the already but not yet. We are already brought about into sonship or into, uh, you know, the inheritance, being a child of God, and yet at the same time, it's like we don't have the fullness of what we will have when, uh, you know, either we pass away or Christ returns. We don't really have everything we'll have, and this is a really cool example from real life. This is happening right now, Uh, a really cool example that helps to illustrate this, so we have some family friends, and they are currently adopting a little girl from China. And they, the way the adoption process works is it's really long, and so there's a bunch of different steps you need to go through before it's finally finalized. But the period that they're in right now, the step they're in right now is they have been chosen to be this little girl's uh, parents, and she has been you know, officially chosen to be their daughter. And so that's set. Like, you know, they can't swap them out anymore for different parents, and they're not going to swap out the little girl for a different little girl or a little boy. And so that's totally set. And something really cool happened. They actually went to China to visit her, and while they were there, it was really sweet, and she was actually already calling them mom and dad, right? And I don't, I don't know about this part, but I think they were calling her daughter too. And so it's like, yes, they are together. They're a family But because of the adoption process, they actually went back home. And she stayed in China because the whole thing isn't completely finished yet. But this kind of illustrates the already but not yet of our situation too. For this little girl, she already has a mommy and daddy who love her. She's already got to meet them, to hug them, you know, maybe to pray with them and stuff. And so she knows, oh, someone out there loves me. Someone's going to come get me. But at the same time, it's like, it's not the fullness right it's not like she's in their arms every day and sleeping in the same house and you know can can be there with them but the difference is but there's a huge difference between her situation now and her situation before they had been chosen and she had been chosen so you know I don't really know this little girl like I didn't interview her but we can just imagine you know being an orphan is probably pretty hard right and before she had been chosen she was an orphan and she didn't know if she would ever be adopted she didn't have a mommy and daddy out there who she knew someday she's going to they're going to come get me all she had was well i'm an orphan and when bad things happen to me it's like i guess it just piles on top you know my my parents I, you know we don't know the situation but they gave me up for whatever reason and now i'm here in this orphanage and i've been here for 11 years and you know i'm I'm struggling maybe with school or I'm struggling with friends or maybe there's a bully or you know, maybe you know, I'm being abused or something like that. And It's like, well, I don't, I don't really have any hope. But the difference now when she has her parents is she actually has something she can look forward to because she knows, I might be struggling now, but I have a mommy and daddy and they are going to come save me from this suffering. It makes a world of difference before and after because now she actually has something that she can look forward to that sustains her through the hard times that she's going through now. And that's the same situation that we're in too. It's true, we do not yet have all that we will have with God, but we have him as our father and we have the knowledge that someday he's gonna come save us from our sufferings. So when you're going through something, you can remind yourself, I'm a child of God and if I'm a child of God, then my father will soon rescue me from these sufferings. If I am a child of God, then my father will soon rescue me from these sufferings. Okay, you could take those verses down. So now we're going to talk about how to apply this to our lives because it can be a little bit theoretical, like I'm a child of God and therefore I will be saved. Um, But I've actually found that in hard moments, in moments of suffering, this can give you great confidence and great sustaining through that suffering. Because you know, you know what, this is hard right now, but someday my father's going to rescue me from this. So there's one group of people who I want to apply this to, and this is the group of people in this room who you know this sermon is for you because you have been struggling. You know this sermon is for you because you have been suffering. Maybe there's something you've been suffering with in secret for a long, long time. Maybe there's something recently that happened that's just been a struggle. Or maybe it's feeling like life is just piling on top. You know, anyone online who life is just piling on top of you, you just feel like you cannot, cannot get a break. This sermon is for you. This sermon is for you to say, I know you're really struggling right now, but guess what? You have a father who is going to rescue you from all of the suffering in this world one day. And so when you are going through the hard times, when maybe you're feeling that that deep depression, maybe you're feeling like you don't want to go on, maybe you're feeling a great loss in your life because you know someone you love passed away, I want this to be an encouragement to you. If you are a child of God, then God will someday rescue you from this suffering. Um, I had an experience in my life that was really, really hard, and many of you already know about this, but when I was 13, my dad actually died in a motorcycle crash, And that was so hard. And the reason why it was super hard is because, I mean, obviously, you know, he passed away, but it's because it can never be fixed. You know what I mean? Like, some things in life, it's like, oh, I stubbed my toe, you know, it's all good. It'll feel better later, right? But this situation, it can never, ever be fixed, And so in my 13-year-old sinner brain, I didn't know what to do, and so I just did things that made me feel happy, you know? And that was sinful things, not good things. And so I dove into that, but that didn't fix anything for me because that cannot fix anything. You know, doing all the bad things I was doing that wasn't gonna bring my dad back. It wasn't gonna heal my broken heart. It wasn't gonna make me stop hating myself, right? It was just, it wasn't gonna fix anything. And it wasn't until I actually came to Jesus and was and attained uh, through his word and through his promises and through his spirit, it wasn't until I came to Jesus and attained this eternal perspective that I was able to actually find healing uh, in this area of my life because it can't be fixed here, but God's going to fix it someday, right? And, you know, I don't know if my dad's in heaven. You know, people say he was a Christian, so that's great. You know, maybe he's there. But if even if not, I know my father has the power, my heavenly father has the power to heal up every wound inside of me, to fix every problem I've ever had, and that's the same thing that your heavenly father can do for you if you are one of those people who are just in deep, deep suffering. Look forward to the future and know if you are God's child, that he will rescue you from your suffering. This sermon is also for the people who say, you know what, that's good, but... I feel like my life is pretty good, you know? And that's great. Like, for me, my life is swell, you know? I'm doing well right now. I got a wonderful wife. I have, you know, jobs that pay well and are easy. You know, it's like, come on, this is, I'm living it up. And maybe that's you, or, or maybe you're a young person, and you're like, I don't know, I don't have that much life experience. You know, both of my parents are alive. You know, I'm all good. Uh, this is also for you, too, because everybody, no matter what you live like, no matter what you go through, you have some form of suffering in your life. And this can be applied even to that. You know, I made a joke about stubbing my toe, but you realize in the Garden of Eden, they didn't stub their toes. Or maybe they did, but it didn't hurt, right? You realize in heaven, they're not, we're not gonna stub our toes. You realize, you know, maybe, maybe you got homework that you just hate, huh? You got homework and you're just like, man, I hate doing my homework. Well, you realize in heaven, you won't hate working. It won't be like, oh my gosh, I'm pulling my hair out or maybe, you know, you, you got, you know, some road rage. You know, in heaven, there won't even be roads. No, I'm just kidding. But there won't be any road rage. God is going to make all that better too. And so even in these small things, it's good to remind yourself, in heaven, when God rescues me from this, this will not happen. And that's good for two reasons. The first reason is because it gives you a heavenly perspective on life. Even if it's something small, it's good to remind yourself, no, 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 something is bigger than this. God's going to rescue me even from the stub toe, even from the, you know, God, rescue me from my homework. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's one reason because it gives you a heavenly perspective. But the second reason just to, to remind yourself of this truth is even if life's not hard now, there's a chance, there's a good chance that life will get hard, you know. And it's good to have the practice of reminding yourself of what's to come so that in this life right now, uh, or when life gets hard, you can already have that practice of reminding yourself, you know what, someday God is going to fix all this. And all of us, you know, we have friends, family, parents who, you know, are, are, are someday going to pass away. And so it's good, really, really good to remind yourself of this now, to have a heavenly perspective. So those are the groups of people who I want to apply this to. But for all of us, I just want to say, you know, when you go through suffering, just remind yourself, if you are a child of God, then God will rescue you from this suffering. If you are a child of God, then God will rescue you from this suffering. Now, uh, we're going to wrap up the sermon so the, uh, the praise team can come up. Um, after the uh, worship song, if anyone is feeling like, man, you know, I really need some hope. I've really been struggling. I'll just be up here for a little while if you want to talk. Or you can feel free to talk to, you know, one of the other pastors and just be like, man, that sermon was really uh, hitting. Or you could feel free to talk to, you know, just a close friend who, who um, you know, close Christian friend. Just be like, yeah, you know, I've been really struggling. And uh, be sure to reach out and get some help. And always have the eternal perspective. Like I said, if you are a child of God, then God will rescue you from your suffering. So let's pray. And then, uh, worship team, you can um, lead us in a song. so Lord Jesus, we just pray for the broken hearts in here. Uh, Lord, we pray for the hearts that will be broken in this life. That... That hard things will happen to. Lord, we just pray that you would give us strength to endure through these times, that you would remind us that someday we are going to be rescued by you, Lord Jesus, that like that little girl, we would look forward to to when you save us and you bring all things new. Yeah, Lord, and I just really, really pray for for, for broken hearts in here, Lord, that you would bind them up, that you would heal them, that you would be that, that that band-aid and that gauze that just fixes that right up, Lord. Yeah, we love you, Lord. Thank you for being our Father who saves us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we sing this last song, won't you stand with me?